Hello, friends, and welcome to the Home Wrecker Podcast, where we wreck and shatter conventional wisdom and ways of thinking by bringing alternative viewpoints and different subjects to light in an attempt to not only change the thoughts and feelings most people accept as reality, but to obliterate them completely. I'm Alex, joined as always by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous wife, the lovely Monique. Monique, how are you? Hello, I am wonderful. And how are you? I'm great as I kick my microphone stand again. Always. Always, every time. You'd think every I'd learn by now. Nope. Nope. How many years? Is this three, four years we've been doing this? Good Lord. All right. Well, yes. I know I'm great. Aside from that, I'm great. Thanks for asking. So, what's new with you? <laughs> what's going on? What's new in your world? Ay, ay, ay. Um, I ask, I already know what's new in your world, but just for for the listeners. Well, I'm exciting. My garden. Those watching, yeah, listening. My garden is starting to grow, so that's exciting. I think I mentioned, was it last week or the week before, how we got a frost? I think it was last week. We got a frost. And it stunted the growth of my plants. But now they're finally like my tomato plants are starting to sprout and flower. My lettuce is growing. My zucchini starting to grow. Like all my everything I planted starting to grow finally. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And I just want to put out there, just letting everyone know that I am offering group hypnotherapy sessions. So I'm trying to do this once a month. The next group hypnotherapy session will be on Sunday, July 23rd at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And that is for stress relief. So not only am I a certified hypnotherapist, but I'm also a certified stress management consultant. So this is a way to take advantage of a hypnotherapy session. And for this one, also learn about stress and what causes stress and how stress affects you and then go into a hypnotherapy uh, go into hypnotherapy and work on finding how it personally affects you and prevent it from triggering you in the future recognizing stressful patterns and things that come up so you can appropriately and positively react to it Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. And also, if you're interested, um, go to my website, innerstandingshypnosis.com, and sign up for my email list. I send an email out about once a month, so you're not going to get flooded with emails, but I have information on things coming up, helpful information. I try to make it supportive (laughs) and positive for people and, and inspiring. Excellent. Yeah. All right. How about you? Anything? going on with you well aside from the rains the last week and a half here yeah. uh no not really just trying to stay dry trying to stay healthy and uh you know just that's it really sweet 
So exciting. Well, what else is there, really? What else is there? Well, there's home educating <laughs> our children. That's right. And we're yes. going to be talking all about that today. Yes, we are. So why don't we go ahead and get into that topic? Mm-hmm. I know that the there are a lot of people maybe who have been making the switch from public education and, and uh, jumping into home education and home educating their children, or maybe who've been thinking about it or... Maybe who've heard about it, but don't really know what it entails, who have questions about it, that kind of thing. So we figured, let's do a show on it. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, we'll talk about some of the history of education, and then we'll also talk about our journey into mm-hmm. home education, how we got there, some of the challenges we face, some of the things that we found that have helped us, and hopefully help people along the way. Yeah, uh, we'll also include some stats because the numbers have changed over the years which is very interesting so do you want to jump into it i'd like to take a quick pause here because you're pointing out the window oh there's a hummingbird oh there's a hummingbird at the flowers so i just got excited i'm pointing it like oh she's like pointing and mouthing to me like what are you pointing bird yes that's all i'm not editing this out (laughs) this is staying right in here i saw a hummingbird i'm facing the window all right are you ready to begin? Yeah. Let's talk about American public education. So I'm just going to get into the history. According to publicschoolreview.com and the Center on Education Policy, as early as the 17th century, the need for public education was recognized by the Puritans living on American shores at the time. This population determined education was essential both for teaching basic academic skills and core religious values. Boston Latin School was established as the first public high school in 1635 in Boston, Massachusetts. The school is still in operation to this day. It's still in operation. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. 1635. Wow. Wow. No I kidding. wonder how many re- renovations that building had. Yeah, right. Probably like none because they made it to last. They probably just built out. I'm wondering, okay, this is something I wish I would have looked up sooner, but I'm wondering if it's the original building yeah, the, or I if it's know. in the original spot anyway, if yeah. it's been, you know, renovated and whatnot, if Who it's knows? in the same spot. I didn't, I didn't look it up. Uh, all right. Throughout the 18th century, the focus on schooling was either private or religious in nature. Many of, pub- many of the public schools developed the century prior were replaced by private Private academics during this era. Private academies? I'm sorry, yes, private academies during this era. Some of the early private schools, such as Phillips Exeter Academy, Deerfield Academy, and Phillips Andover Academy, serving only male students, became feeder schools for the Ivy League colleges. And many of these schools became co-ed institutions in the 70s and are still operational today. I know, yep, Phillips Exeter Academy. Yeah. Um, the one in Andover, like, uh, yeah, those are definitely still around. I think the Deerfield is too. Because schooling became focused on those who could afford it or belong to a certain religion, this left many, peop- uh, many children unable to receive an education. Children whose families could not afford to place them in school learn through a variety of different ways, including church-supported schools, local schools organized by towns or groups of parents, tuition schools set up by traveling schoolmasters, charity schools for poor children run by churches or benevolent societies. That sounds so weird, benevolent societies. Yeah, I want to know what is a benevolent society. I don't know. (laughs) What does that constitute? Boarding schools for children of the well-to-do, 
Dane schools run by women in their homes, private tutoring or homeschooling, or work apprenticeships with some rudimentary instruction in reading, writing, and arithmetic. Without a formal system for funding education, local schools were dependent on parents' tuition payments, charitable contributions, property taxes, um, fuel contributions, and in some cases, state support. At the time of the American Revolution, some cities and towns in the Northeast had free local schools paid for by all town residents, but this was not the norm. And there were a few Northeastern cities that also had free schools for African American children. Children in the South were educated mostly in tuition charging or parent-organized schools. Some rural areas had no schools. The schools that did exist outside of the cities were often hard to get to, skimply equipped, or overcrowded. Teachers were paid poorly, transient, and inexperienced. I'm sorry, teachers were poorly paid, transient, and inexperienced. And some were uneducated themselves. Undereducated. Undereducated themselves. In no state was education compulsory or fully supported by taxes. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. The founding fathers maintained that the success of the fragile American democracy would depend on the competency of its citizens. They believed strongly that preserving democracy would require an educated population that could understand political and social issues and would participate in civic life, vote wisely, protect their rights and freedoms, and resist tyrants and demagogues. Character and virtue were also considered essential to good citizenship, and education was seen as a means to provide moral instruction and build character. While voters were limited to white males, many leaders of the early nation also supported educating girls on the grounds that mothers were responsible for educating their own children, were partners on family farms, and set a tone for the virtues of the nation. The nation's founders recognized that educating people for citizenship would be difficult to accomplish without a more systematic approach to schooling. Soon after the American Revolution, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and other early leaders proposed the creation of a more formal and unified system of publicly funded schools. In 1779, Thomas Jefferson proposed a bill for more general diffusion of knowledge, which was a system of public education to be tax-funded for three years for all the free children, male and female, which was an unusual perspective for the time period. They were allowed to attend longer if their parents, friends, or family could pay for it independently. Jefferson's plan included a two-track program that divided the labored and learned. However, Jefferson's plans fell to deaf ears at the time, and it wasn't until the next century that the system Jefferson envisioned came to fruition. Until then, many of the public schools in the 18th century were overseen by ministers and were free to both male and female students. Some received a portion of government funding to help pay for their operations. Jefferson did propose his plan again in 1785 for a system of public schools in Virginia. Jefferson was an advocate of public education, but Jefferson did not believe in forcing parents to place their children in school, positing that, quote, 
it is better to tolerate the rare instance of a parent refusing to let his child be educated than to shock the common feelings and ideas by the forcible asportation or removal and education of the infant against the will of the father, end quote. I want to jump in there about that. Okay. So while he believed in public education, he also felt parents should not be forced to put their children in public education or in school if that is against their wishes. And I think that... That's important. That's really important. important. Absolutely. Because, again, we're going to talk about it more in a bit, but looking at where we are now, I mean... I'd uh, say he was was a visionary, (laughs) definitely. If, you know, if all this is true. Right, yeah, right. Although the main responsibility for schooling rested with states and localities, federal ordinances passed in 1785 and 1787 gave substantial acreage of federal lands and trust to new states entering the Union, as long as the states agreed to set aside a portion of these lands for the support of public schools. These federal land grants not only supported the creation and maintenance of schools in each of the townships carved out of former territories, but also helped to build stable communities across the country, each with a local government and education system. The land grants show the value placed on education as positive element of nation building by the first federal leaders. In the 1830s, Horace Mann, a Massachusetts legislator and secretary of that state's Board of Education, began to advocate for the creation of public schools that would be universally available to all children, free of charge and funded by the state. Mann and other proponents of common schools emphasized that a public investment in education would benefit the whole nation by transforming children into literate, moral, and productive citizens. Common school advocates emphasized the knowledge, civic, and economic benefits of public schooling. Common schools would teach the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, I don't know how that's three R's. Because it sounds like reading, writing, arithmetic. Got it. Yeah. Along, okay. Yep. Along with other subjects, public school, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, along with other subjects such as history, geography, grammar, and rhetoric, a strong dose of moral instruction would also be provided to instill civic virtues. Educating children of the poor and middle classes would prepare them to obtain good jobs, proponents argued, and thereby strengthened the nation's economic position. In addition to preparing students for citizenship and work, education was seen by some reformers as a means for people to achieve happiness and fulfillment. Common schools were also proposed as a way to promote cohesion across social classes and improve social outcomes. Reformers argued that common schools would not truly serve as a unifying force if private schools drew off substantial numbers of students, resources, and parental support from the most advantaged groups. In order to succeed, a system of common schooling would have to enroll sufficient numbers of children from all social classes, including the most affluent and well-educated families. This idea met with the resistance from many Americans who did not want to pay to educate other people's children. And people still feel that way today. 
Yeah. Rightfully so. I would tend to agree with that. Mm -hmm. Throughout the 19th century, public schools took hold of a faster pace in some communities than others. Public schools were more common in cities than in rural areas, and in the Northeast, more, uh, more so than in other parts of the country. It also took longer for children of color, girls, and children with special needs to gain access to free public education. Gradually, more states accepted responsibility for providing universal public education and embedded this principle in their state constitutions. Not, not until the latter part of the 19th century, however, did public elementary schools become available to all children in nearly all parts of the country. In 1830, about 55% of children aged 5 to 14 were enrolled in public schools. By 1870, this figure had risen to about 78%. High school attendance did not become commonplace until the 20th century. In 1910, just 14% of Americans aged 25 and older had completed high school. As recently as 1970, the high school completion rate was only 55%. And in 2017, 90% of Americans aged 25 and older had a high school degree. That's a crazy statistic. Yeah. I When I first saw that, I was shocked. 55% of, of Americans had a high school complete, had completed high school mm -hmm. in 1970. Like that's, that's insane. But I, I don't know. I, I wonder what the reason for that was. Like that's just. It could just be like. The availability of it, the mindset of people, whether they want to put their kids in school. And you also have to realize that the changes with the family, how, you know, whether there were women to stay home and take care of the kids or they could afford to hire somebody to you take know care what? of the kids. <laughs> yeah. You're, and now it's that, become public schools take care of your kids for you while you go to work or that's do whatever. That's probably where the, the turnaround happened now, now that you mentioned that. Yeah, that's probably exactly what happened because you're right. Up until that point, it, it was it was one family member was working like usually the typically the father mm -hmm. would be working you didn't have mom and dad both working so yeah i guess if mom was home and she was willing she could educate the kids and and by the looks of it if you had a high school public high school completion rate of 55% i would presume that most of the other children were being home educated but we don't have those statistics, though. Those yeah. were not available. And, and you know, were they getting a, an education? Yeah, that information right, I could not right. find. Well, why don't we go over some stats yeah. that, that were found from the National Center for Educational Statistics. More students were homeschooled in 2019 than in 1999. In 1999, there was 1.7% of students that were homeschooled. That went up to 3.4% in 2012. And then that dropped in the years going down to 2.8% in 2019. So, so in 1999. We went from 1.7% yeah. in 99 to 3.4% in 2012. And then it dropped back down to 2.8% excuse me, in 2019. So I, I'm just curious like what happened there to, to uh, as I kicked my microphone again. Uh, what happened there that would facilitate the the massive increase? I mean, that's a pretty big increase. That's almost double. Mm -hmm. And then dropping down again. Now, are there, do we have more? We do have more current edge. Okay. Okay. So we're, we're going to get to that. 
the number one reason for home education upon those surveyed was due to a concern about the school environment, such as safety, drugs, or negative peer pressure. 2023 stats. Here they are. And this is according to parentingmode.com. There are currently 3.7 million home educated students in the U.S., or 6.3%. So that jumped up from 2019. That almost tripled from 2019. And it's, you know, almost double from 2012. So, and and I think we all know why, (laughs) why that happened, and we'll get into that too. Uh, States with the most homeschoolers are North Carolina, Florida, and Georgia. And the top reason for homeschooling is a concern about school environment. Homeschool students outperform institutional school students academically. Imagine that. The highest homeschooling rate is among students with a grade equivalent of 6 to 8. So 6th grade to 8th grade mm-hmm. is, is the highest uh, rate of homeschool, like students in that age group or grade group. Uh, 48% of homeschooling households have three or more children. The average cost of homeschooling is $700 to $1,800 per student annually. One in three homeschooling households has an annual income of over $100,000. 10% make $20,000 or less. 20% make $20,000 to $50,000. 21% make $50,000 to $75,000. And 15% make $75,000 to $100,000. Homeschooling saves about $56 billion of taxpayer money annually. Okay. So think about all that money, $56 billion, for people not getting anything from that. And where is it going? Where? Yeah. I always, I think I mentioned this to you when we first uh, went over this stuff, and I, I mentioned to you, where do they get these figures? $56 billion. You, you, there's always, it seems like when, when you talk about statistics like this, there's always like these huge numbers. Well, I looked up like I did, if you take per student, like the average it costs for a student in public schools. And I was like, it kind of ranged. I think I did around like 15,000 and it came That's out. That's annually? Yeah. 15,000 a year annually per student in I public school? So. I think so. Wow. Okay. Um, but I, I did it, and I'm like, okay, well, if there's this many, if we have, how many was it, 3.7 million. Um, oh, million, yeah. And then multiply that. I think it came out to about that. But wow. I could have done my math wrong. But again, like, you have 3.6 million students being educated at home. And and, and, and they're out, they outperform institutional they school do. students And, and we're going to talk about our, our own personal journey with our kids. Yeah. And that's going to come up as well. So we'll get into that. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, just I'm sorry, I, I, when I'm looking at these stats again, it's like, it's just, it's just insane to me mm-hmm. that, that so much. And, and you know, and what, think about like how much you spend. You can either home educate your own kids or think about how much you're spending when you put your kids in a public school, all the other issues aside notebooks, you know, supplies, well, pencils. That, that, and that's just it. They want you now to bring in 
paper towels and toilet paper and bring in like stuff like the schools used to supply. Well, I mean, that's, that's at our level on, uh, in our local level, what, what the, some of the things that were being requested by the school, by the teachers, because they didn't have classroom supplies. It's like if there's $15,000 a year annually per student is spent, what's that being spent on? Is it, is that teacher salaries? Like what, what is that spent on? Because if kids have to bring in their own paper towels, notebooks, pencils, okay, wait a minute. if nothing is supplied for them, what, what's the money spent on? Well, if you have $15,000 and you multiply that by 30 students, that's $450,000. That so covers the teacher's salary. That, that more than covers cover the teacher's salary. The supply. And the schools have $56 billion in taxpayer money for kids that aren't in school. So the numbers don't add up, which goes into a whole different topic yeah, about mean, transparency, about where your money goes for abso- taxes. Absolutely. But we shouldn't have to pay taxes anyway, and you don't have to. But that's another story that's, for another day. We're not going to get into go down that rabbit hole right now. Anywho, we're going to talk about our personal journey so, now. And yeah, I just that that to me was very just eye-opening mm-hmm. i guess because yeah but anyway all right well so that's like kind of a, a brief history of public education and and what i didn't chime in with uh was you know in the early 1900s what we didn't really talk about here and i'll just gloss over it because i don't have a lot of information but in the early 1900s is when the rockefeller family got involved in public education and that's when they took over and, and got leadership into the teachers unions and they they started taking over a lot of those institutions they took over medicine as well and that's a totally other different topic but the rockefeller foundation that family they took over education they took over public education they put they 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 started basically writing out what teachers are going to teach children this is when you started seeing kids having to raise their hands to go to the bathroom and those type of things. All those type of things were implemented and the way and the things that were taught were changed. And it was essentially because what was happening at that point in time, at the turn of the century, we started to hit the manufacturing craze here in America. And the Rockefellers owned most of the factories and most of the manufacturing. So they wanted to train the next generation of factory workers. And that's where they were getting them from the public school education system. So that's essentially what started happening. And obviously as the Rockefeller Foundation's goals changed and their outlook on what society should be and how we should serve them changed, well, then public education changed too. And society started to get molded and shaped in that way that they saw fit. And you can trace pretty much everything back to that. So that's something that I, I wanted to just mention that briefly. And there's all kinds of different books out there about that, about what they've done to public education and why our education is not, there's nobody really being educated. You're learning how to read and write. Yes. You're learning how to do basic arithmetic, but you're the, more so being you're programmed. more so you're but essentially you're just being programmed into being obedient. Mm-hmm. You're being told what to think. You're not being taught how to think. And absolutely not. And, and that's that's what's happened. And and it's gotten worse and worse. And now it, there's not really education happening anymore. Nope. It's more so just propaganda. 
that's being taught to children. So we decided to home educate our oldest son in 2018. He originally went to a public school in New Hampshire, which in our eyes failed him horribly. During that time, we knew something wasn't right with him, but we just didn't know what. And his pediatrician never helped and didn't seem to notice a problem. Um, Our son would cry a lot in school and the teacher would say, oh, well, he's really sensitive. And now bear in mind, we were going to, uh, the way it was set up in the city that we were living in, there were 12 public schools. And obviously wherever you live is where your child goes to school based on whichever district they're in. And we were in one of the more, I guess, better. prestigious or better thought yeah, of, of better, better, better schools. reputation schools in, in our city. And so when we were hearing all this stuff, we were just like, really? Oh, okay. Like, oh, he's sensitive. You know, it, it just like felt... Some, we knew something was wrong. We knew something was wrong. Nobody seemed to care. They seemed more annoyed by it. Yes. And like he was a distraction. Um, I just also want to add something that had happened in terms of not teaching kids how to think. Prime example was I remember during one of the elections, Hillary was running and they did a mock election. And so our son comes home and tells us all about the mock election. And I said, oh, well, who did you vote for? And he said, Hillary Clinton. And I go, why would you vote for Hillary Clinton? What was it about her that appealed to you? And he said, well, that's who the teacher was voting for. And who, and she said, that's who we should vote for too. <laughs> right. This is yeah. the education this, this system. Is, and he was education. what, in like second or third grade? He was grade? like in second grade. I think he was yeah. in second grade. Yeah. So the, the, again, that's not teaching, your ch- teaching children to think for themselves. That is trying to program children and manipulate them into thinking what youth personally think, which is bullshit. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sorry. That's not the role of a teacher. <laughs> no. But, well, that's what it's taken on now. It's what it's mm-hmm. evolved into. Not to mention, our son was being bullied constantly. And it got to the point where I actually threatened to get the police involved because the school didn't really do anything, which was extremely frustrating. Once I threatened to get the police involved, I think I said, I don't care. I will call the police and sick them, sick, sick them on a seven-year-old's ass or something like that. I was pissed. But, you know, it, 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 was, it took a lot for them to even do anything about it. It seemed like the school just really didn't care. And after much independent work with the help of my parents, we decided to have him tested for auditory processing disorder, which after being on a six-month waiting list with a specialist, we did learn that he did indeed have auditory processing disorder. And for those who don't know what auditory processing disorder is, it's where you can hear, like, fine, your hearing isn't affected. It's the way what you hear transfers to the brain and how the brand translates it to you how the brain translates it to you yeah Yeah. so for example you could say do you want to sit on the couch or the chair but a person with auditory processing disorder might hear do you want to eat the couch or the hair it, and then you're like, so our son wasn't, especially if it was like noisy, crowded, which I think attributed to his bullying because his brain wasn't processing properly what was being said by other people. And he'd often have a confused look on his face. So right. it was good that we found that, that he had that because we learned, okay, we need to make sure we were looking at him, that there's no background noise when we speak with him, things like that to help him with this right and and I mean I can remember taking him to a 
was it called Marvel something yeah, or Marvel other on Marvel ice. on Ice or something like that and you know it's like a big arena type show and him just being like blocking his ears and holding He's his ears all the time. He's very sensitive to sound. And, and I mean, yeah. I was like, "Whoa, I, do we do I leave with him? Do do we stay?" Like, what? And I kept asking, him, "Do you want to go home? We can leave if it's too loud. We can leave, you know." And I remember just and I think feeling so bad. Early. We ended up yeah. leaving early because, yeah, he was just sitting there, and, and you could tell he was very like he was excited but uncomfortable at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it was good to finally get that and that diagnosis and find out, okay, there is something going on and this Mm -hmm. is what, and this is how we can work with them. And shortly after he began fourth grade, I think it was maybe a few weeks after I got a call from a public Montessori charter school, uh, where he was on the late wait list for since they opened four years earlier. Yeah. When there was a Montessori school that had opened up and it was actually going to be uh, public. So it wasn't going to be a tuition or anything like that. They had gotten, um, a charter status and when they first opened we had gone to a meeting to and basically because so many people wanted to get their kids in there mm-hmm. you had to enter into a lottery and so we put our name in and they said when an opening happens we'll randomly pull from the lottery and well i think you know, whoever did didn't for going in and after that you were put on a wait list right whoever yeah, yeah whoever didn't get in and then you're put right and but um they, no because it was essentially they would draw from the lottery anytime there was openings. And what they did was they would give preferential treatment to siblings. So if yeah, you got if your you kids were in on the list, like, so he was supposed to go into kindergarten when they opened. And right. because we signed up when he was supposed to go into kindergarten, we were placed on kind of a waiting list yeah. instead of the lottery. So that's kind of how we got him in. Right. Um, they had a spot open and then less than two weeks later, we got him we, in. We got him in. Yeah. As soon as they let us know, we were like, uh, yes, absolutely. Yep. We're, yeah, we'll the, take that uh, spot. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Get him out of the other school. Mm-hmm. And after a few weeks at the new school, his amazing teacher asked us, asked us if he was autistic because he showed all the classic telltale signs. Now, we didn't know any of this. Yeah, we, yeah. we never even thought autism could be a possibility because he was verbal. And much of what we would see for kids on the spectrum was them being nonverbal. Yeah, Not I to mean, mention his 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 doctor never once said never once. hey i have a concern nothing nothing and nothing. and the the thing too is i used to work with autistic kids i never never thought never thought that that would have been a mm-hmm. thing with and him it took another six months of being on a wait list for a specialist where after testing we were told our son is autist autistic but he's high functioning and while he's considered to have asperger's they no longer call it that and it's all just part of the spectrum so i asked the specialist how can we help him where like what do we do what do we need to know to help him and i was given a printed out list of books that i could buy to help our family learn more about it. And I was sent out the door. So again, you know, medical care that I felt failed us because here I am just finding out my child is autistic and I had no idea what to do with this information, how to help him, you know, how to make things better for him. I actually ended up getting a book and it opened up my eyes so much because, you know, he would not flush the toilet and we wouldn't know why. And we get upset, like, come on, buddy, you got to flush the toilet. But it was because of the sound and he was so sound sensitive. And, you know, again, it's part of the, he's just sensitive, 
sensitive to sounds, sensitive to fabrics and certain like things to touch, all these sensitivities that he was just labeled sensitive, whereas he was really, you know, struggling with something that unfortunately we did not realize. So it was very frustrating to try to look for answers and just be given a list of books. Yeah, here you go. Figure it out for yourself, essentially. Like, oh. I thought that aren't you a specialist that, that specializes in this? Like you can't Thank give you us so much. And how much some, are you charging my insurance yeah, for the for this appointment? You can't, Thank can't, you can't give us anything more than a list of books. Yeah. Like there's no apparently there's no assistance or anything like that. I I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. So the Montessori, Montessori school was amazing for our oldest son, but mostly it was because of his teacher who had really looked out for him. She fought with us against the city's special education department, who tried to tell us that our son was doing just fine and well enough and didn't need an IEP, which is an individualized education program. And let's just so, say... So essentially, when, when a child has special needs, they, they will assign specialists that the city employs for that particular reason. They, they will go and they will help students. They will sit with them one-on-one in, certain, in, in, different, in a different setting. And the reason for it is because certain children can, will need that. They need it if they actually want to learn. So this is what we were fighting with when we found out he had this diagnosis. And with the help, like you said, of his, of his amazing teacher, we had to actually fight mm-hmm. with the city to get this. And I cut one hell of a promo on those women and put them in their place. And our son was given the IEP. I also had to remind them that we know our rights. And if a child is diagnosed with a disability, they must have an IEP if the parents request it. Yeah, we did our homework before mm. going into... I get and, shocked. And, and I sat in on a couple of these meetings when I was able to. And yeah, it was not impressed at all with the city and who they were sending as representatives. And, and to be perfectly honest, even the school's representatives were not that great. Aside from his teacher, his teacher. I wasn't really thrilled with nope. them either. But everyone was just so like lack, lackadaisical, like just kind of whatever. We don't care. Yeah. Okay. But well, we'll let's, be nice and pleasant. Let's let's move let's this on. Go. Let's move. It. Yeah. It was very 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 laissez-faire attitude. Yeah, very it was very. I remember saying to you how unprofessional. Yeah. It, it all felt mm-hmm. and me just being like this is this is public educated like these are people that are responsible for educating our children these are people in administrative positions like really mm-hmm. coming in just shooting the shit just very unprofessional mm-hmm. and it's like we're two parents sitting here concerned for our child and they're just walking in just shooting the breeze talking about a date they had the night before just it's like what is this mm-hmm. just very very unprofessional very bush league very bush, bush. league yes so by the time our son was in the sixth grade, we began looking for an alternate, uh, alternate education system for him. We couldn't afford any private schools where he could thrive, and there was no way we would be sending him back to public schools. So Alex was injured. Well, th- you have to, you're leaving out a big part. Mm-hmm. Most people may not know the Montessori school only ran to sixth grade. Yeah. So after that point, there are no Montessori middle schools or high schools uh, in, in our area, and so he would have to go to a public school at that point, like a regular public middle mm-hmm. school. And it would be back to the same environment that he was in before where, again, probably being bullied. We'd have to once again fight for another IEP. We'd have to go through that whole entire process again. And, I mean, I, I remember being in middle school. That's when the bullying and all that stuff really starts to ramp up. And... 
we just we didn't want to put him through that. So, and I don't want to go to jail for threatening children and their parents. So, right. <laughs> yeah. And so, at this point in time, I ended up getting injured at work. So I was home, and so I said, you know what? I'll I'll educate him. Yep. We'll figure it out. I'll I'll do it. And I want to say that in New Hampshire, you must send the school superintendent a letter of intent informing them that you will be home educating your child. And it's more of a formality, but the law states that parents who home educate must keep two years of lessons on hand should the state show up to inspect the lessons given. And it's basically they just want the right to check in and make sure you are really educating your kids. So before you begin home educating, it's important to check out your local laws. And I want to just say the pros and cons with that. One, fuck you, because I'm educating my kids, stay the fuck out of her business. That's my mentality. But from the other side of that, I get that they want to make sure that parents aren't locking their kids in the basement and abusing them. And that's why they don't want them going to school. So it's kind of like the, I have my rights mentality and leave me alone. Government stay out of my business versus the, they're trying to make sure kids aren't being abused at home. So I, I, I get both sides. Okay. Of, you know, sure. people who might want so to argue with that. in New Hampshire, you wrote that in New Hampshire, what mm-hmm. we have to do, every state, no matter where you're listening to this, if you're in the United States, every state is different. Mm-hmm. So you have to look and see. If you were looking to take this step, look and see what is required in your state. Some states are more strict than others. Some, it's whatever. You know, I, I haven't looked at every state. I only looked at my state where I live and what we had to do. But it's important that you check and see. And in the show notes, we're going to put a bunch of links, a bunch of helpful links that you can go to, places that we went to find information when we were first starting this out. We'll put some stuff in there to, to, to try to help you out if you need it. So we jumped into this home education thing without a lot of research in the beginning for our oldest son. Well, we, we had... I had spoken with his teacher. Uh, I talked with her and I told her uh, that I'm going to home educate him. You know, we had that discussion and I said, what, what are some resources that I can use that you would recommend just so that he could continue kind of where he was leaving off from where he was in sixth grade? Where, where can we continue? What are good resources? So she gave me a couple of things and you know, and and I and I did those to start with, but it wasn't really very structured at first, mm-hmm. which, depending on your child, they may need more structure than 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 you're able to provide. And for for our son, yeah, he he needs structure. He needed that. So we started looking around and researching, and and like you said, we bought books for him. We got workbooks, printed sheets from online. And there are a lot of done-for-you type homeschooling programs that are out there. There are, I don't know if they're, if it's still like this, but at the time, uh, about three, four years ago when we started doing this, actually, it's been five years now. Yeah. What am I I'm saying? like, what are you talking about three, four years ago? Wow, time flies. When we started doing this, it seemed like the majority of them were very, were religious-based, mm-hmm. which I don't have a problem with. But it seemed like that was built into a lot of the curriculum. 
And if it wasn't necessarily religious-based, some of the programs were really ridiculously expensive. Yeah, very expensive. Uh, So, again, we did what we could, and I ended up finding uh, the Ron Paul curriculum. And I I don't honestly can't even remember how I found it. It it must have just been a search or something. I went, oh, Ron Paul, no kidding. He's got a, a, a homeschooling program. That's... It's got to be good because he's all he's a you know libertarian and so I I looked at at the at what he had and they they would offer like the first five classes first five lessons free so that parent you know the child could get a taste for it and the parent could see how the program goes and how it's run and they were all video lessons but they would they provided PDF copies of all the the material that the student would require for reading and. They also had printable worksheets and things like that so that the, the student could actually, you know, do things like that. They had message boards that the kids could go on and talk to each other or speak to the instructor, ask questions and that kind of thing. So it was very, very well done. It was very, it was very good. Um, but our son did struggle with a lot of the lessons because they are very, how can I say it? Difficult, I guess. I feel like is, is if you started it from the easiest the word. If you started it from the beginning, it would have been much easier. Yes. But he's coming in from a public education, a public public school, and jumping into, you know, from public school sixth grade into this curriculum's seventh grade, which it's it's like night and day. And it was it's. I mean, I looked at some of the stuff. I was like, wow, this is really extensive I, know, this I was is thinking very, uh i did this in high school yeah like a lot of the stuff i was i was just really surprised that this was a seventh grade education but they had a lot of other neat things too uh they had uh like he had like a, a science class but it was mostly like outdoorsy type stuff so he learned how to build campfires and things like that and how to tie knots you know like boy scout type stuff mm-hmm. but it, it, they had a lot of really cool practical real life type things that he learned and uh, he made a robot yep. just a, a bunch of cool things that he there did. There was some great and, stuff, but yeah. he still, he really struggled, but he did struggle with, with a lot, a lot of, of it because it, I think looking back on it, it's because he just wasn't, there was too many gaps between his sixth grade education and what the seventh grade lessons started and we even tried to pull him back a grade to see if that would help but it It, didn't it It was like we'd have to go back to like maybe like first or second grade and then build (laughs) from there with with a lot of the stuff i know it's like billy madison going back through all the grades (laughs) right so in 2019 our middle child was ready to enter kindergarten at the montessori charter school and we were already home educating him and he was between a first and second grade level yeah he outshined many of his peers academically but his teacher was more concerned about his social skills and you know he would try to play with the other kids but as he as we you know found out later they didn't want to play with him and i think part of that he was so outgoing i remember the first day at like was it orientation it was the first day of it wasn't even it wasn't like the first day of school it was like the day a day or two before and it was like an orientation they did like a kindergarten orientation where the kids come in with their parents and they get to meet the kindergarten teacher and see the classroom and everything and all the parents are kind of in the back of the room the teachers at the front of the room and all the kids are told to sit kind of in a circle on the floor in front of the teacher in the front of the classroom. And the teacher says, 
uh, what, what uh, she didn't even say anything. I don't think. I think she said, "Hi, I'm Miss whatever her well, name she, was." Well, she she had asked a question about like who's ready to learn or something. Oh, like who, that. so who's ready to learn? And all the kids, not uh, no, this is not hyperbole or exaggeration. Everybody's silent except for our son. He who like jumped up jumps with his up, arms up, so excited. Jumps I am, up. I am. I am. I am. I am so excited to be here. This is awesome. And of course, all the parents start laughing, thinking it's this funny thing. And all the kids are just kind of looking at each other like, huh? And, and it, we were just like, yep, that's our boy. Yeah. Can, can you tell he's my can, kid? Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it was it was just, he was so above academically already what these kids were because like i said like like Benique said he already knew how to read he was already doing basic he was math writing. he knew geography he knew writing he knew all 50 states yep, and all their capitals, capitals. where like, they're located he, he knew yeah he could put point them out on a map you know so he he knew things like he was already and he and he had a, a hunger for education mm-hmm. for learning and they did an assessment and they said he's between a first to second grade level a little bit going into third grade yeah yeah so, um, but they said they were concerned about his social skills. Yes. Which, what, <laughs> what? Because he's not afraid to speak up and and talk. He's his own person. He does what he wants to do. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, he would ask, be asked to play, but he didn't want to do what they were doing. So it's like that's his choice. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. But and, and I actually, it's funny because uh, sticking on this, I asked him about this the other day, and I said, "Do you remember when you were in public school?" When you would ask kids to play, like, what, what would happen? And he said, well, nobody wanted to play with me. And I said, okay, well, what happened? Like, how come nobody? He's like, I don't know. But I would ask him every day because I figured I'm not going to give up asking. I'll ask if people want to play with me. If they don't want to play with me, oh, well, I'll just ask him again tomorrow. I didn't give up. I'm like, he's so awesome. Like, that's my boy. <laughs> so halfway through the school year, COVID hit. We were back to home education with them. The program the school put into place was an absolute joke. And the parents were the ones doing all the work with their kids. So the parents had to check in every day. Yet his teacher only came onto a group online video chat once a week. And the time she spent with the kids on this group video chat ranged anywhere from literally five minutes to maybe... I think the most being towards the 20 minute mark. Okay. So this was ridiculous. I, I was obviously at this point I was, I had been home educating our oldest and now I'm home educating our young or at the time, our our middle child. Yes. Sorry. And I was the one sitting there going, this is the stupid, like I'm sitting with him next to him as he's sitting there on, on the little, online thing or whatever they like they'd have to go on like a zoom call or skype or whatever it was yeah. i can't remember now and do like a, a they'd all have to say hi to each other for like that's literally what it was it was five minutes where they all say hi and and obviously with zoom or whatever the technology it's everybody's talking at once you can't hear anything and nobody knows what's going on and once in a while, the teacher would poke their head in and say, how's everybody doing today? Is everybody okay? How, is everybody having fun at home? And, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then what they did was they gave us a, uh, it was like a Google Docs where you'd have to sign into a Google Docs portal and get their work for the day. And then you'd submit it in so the teacher would look at it. So th- at this point, this is when I'm seeing what they're teaching these kids. Mm-hmm. And this is when I said, are you kidding? This is what you're learning? 
this is what you're doing in school? Like, this is, he's regressed. He did. He, he actually regressed. regressed. Like, he went backwards from what he was doing with, when it was just me teaching him. Mm-hmm. Like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. So that's, that's when I said, you know what? He's not going back. Nope. This is stupid. And not just that, but I remember, like, the teacher would only show up for that little video thing for a few minutes one day a week. But there was a day, wasn't it, like, Fridays, the kids That's, didn't have to do anything? There, yes. But they made the parents they call still and had, check in. You still had to check in. And that's when it And they that's, wanted, like, weird personal information, That's too. when I went, that's it. This is this is not happening anymore. We're done with this. This He's not going back to the school. We're all yeah, done. They wanted. They like, wanted. I can't like, remember the specifics. Weird, like stuff but, you would do, like when you have a bank account, or like you know, like privacy information, like the name of the street you grew up on, your first pet, stuff like that. First of all, how the how would you even know what that was unless I'm telling you? Like why I'm not giving you that information, so we would just make stuff up because we're not giving any of that real information to these people. But it was really sketchy. What what really upset me though was the fact that. I got an email one day because we didn't check in mm-hmm. on time or something. You had to check in by a certain time. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding? So you're going to tell me now when I'm at my house with my child, what time I have to check in? What the fuck? Different? My thinking was, what the fuck difference does it make? As long as the work gets passed in by the end of the day, what the fuck do you care? We're at home. Go fucking jump off a fucking cliff lady. Yeah. I was so upset. That aggravated me so much. He's swearing. That's how upset he is. Uh, yes. I, I try not to, but that's that's how it that's how much it pissed me off. Cause it's like, fuck you. You're gonna tell me when I have to teach my child something. It's like they didn't take into account parents that work, mm-hmm. perhaps. I mean, granted, our situation was different and I was actually at home. But what about the parents that weren't at home? Or like, the parents who had to work from home. Or parents who had to work from home and can't just drop everything they're doing to meet this teacher's imaginary fucking deadline. Yeah. It's like, go fuck it was yourself. So, so I had a, a lot of exchanges over email with this teacher because she wouldn't talk to me on the phone. So we went back and forth a lot on email and I'm just like, whatever. So essentially, we just ended his school year there, which they, they I think they started letting kids go back to school at a certain point. We were like, well, he's not going back. He's going to yeah. stay home. That's it. And then that was it. We just pulled him from it and he's been home educated since and he's been thriving. Oh, yeah. yeah. Holy shit. He's, he's been thriving. in what? Fifth grade? Math? He, if he was in public school right now, he'd be going into fourth grade. No. No, third, third grade. Third grade, sorry. He'd be in third grade. He'd be in third grade. Yes. And he's he's doing fifth and sixth grade level stuff right now. And, and even that, he's breezing through yeah like this it's fall would be third grade he'd be going into yeah. so technically so he's we're in the summer so he'd be going into third grade yeah he's just rocking it he's just he's yeah i'm very proud we're oh, very proud of him. yeah so um we ended up finding an online program called easy peasy and this is a home education online program that was created by parents who home educated their kids and they came together with their tools books class well, outlines and created a system for yeah them. well i mean going if you're going chronologically we he did the ron paul curriculum for a while too yeah. and he he crushed that mm-hmm. he did awesome oh, with that. he did very well he did with great it. with it and the reason that we stopped that thing is because their prices went up. I think they were starting to capitalize on the a lot yeah. of people in 2020 just taking their kids out of school and saying, no, we're going to home educate. You know, that obviously exploded. And um, so we ended up stopping the, the Ron Paul curriculum. It was strictly just financial. It wasn't because of the well, quality of the no, program. But also our other son was struggling, our older son. And right. we wanted to see, like, was there something out there that he might be able to learn 
differently from because I think you get it if you are a student or you have kids who are learning that everyone learns differently and the way something is taught by one person. I mean, a prime example for me was when I was in freshman algebra, I struggled. I failed that class. I tried so hard, but I could not get it. Even like the majority of the class failed. And we were all just like, I don't get it. Does it make sense? Next year, same class, different teacher. I got A's and B's. But she taught it in a different way and it made sense to me. So I was thinking, let's keep looking to see if there's a program for our oldest son that will allow him to learn what he needs to learn, but it's put in a different way that it's easier for him to pick it up. Yeah. And and I think we found that with the with the easy peasy. Yeah. And the best part, they only ask for a $15 donation, but if you can't afford it, they'll still let you do it. Right. Um, I say if you go with easy peasy, if you can afford to give more than 15, that would be great. Um, but it's just nice to find a program when money's really tight to be able to like, wow, there's something that has a, a plan in place, has a system, is easy for the kids and parents to follow along. There's a structure to it. Yeah. You can pick what your child learns. It. You uh, There's... They have printable worksheets. You can, They actually have uh, all their worksheets collected where you can print them all out at once if you want or if you want, you can spend $10, $15 and buy all the worksheets in a, in a book form on Amazon. So they, they have a lot of different options. So that's, that's what we're currently using. And we're also doing a couple other things as well, uh, just independently of that in addition to because when you're home educating folks, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. And having three children and each of them are obviously different and they all learn differently. They all have different strengths. They all have different weaknesses, uh, different different areas of opportunity, as I like to say, uh, for, for learning. Everything, you can do whatever you want. You have that freedom and you can take as long as you need to. You could take as little as you need to. If the kid is grasping a concept quickly, you don't just have to harp on it for a week at a time like because they do in public like in education. public school yeah. and you don't have to, you know, the child doesn't have to sit there knowing, okay, I get it. Let's move on while the rest of the class doesn't get it like they do in public school. Mm-hmm. Once they get it, they move on. They can move at their own pace. Our, our, our middle child, he, he just cranks through stuff. Some days he'll do two, three days worth of lessons in, in a day just because he's excited to learn. He likes to do it. And he's, he gets it. He's grasping the concepts and mm-hmm. he just gets it so quick. And that's another thing that I, I want to really stress this. If you're able to, if you are able to, and you can figure out a way to make it happen, mm-hmm. to educate your child at home and to be a part of that process, I cannot put into words how rewarding the feeling is and how happy I get when I see them, all of them, when they grasp something, when the light bulb goes off and they get it, and they the get something, and the excitement when they get something or they do something correctly or they, they figure something out yeah, and it just makes sense or they come up with a point that just, you're like, whoa, that just came out of your brain? Yeah. What? It's, there's nothing like it. And I'm telling you right now, like if you can educate your kid, do it. Don't leave their education and the molding of their mind and their psyche to public school. Don't. 
if you can afford to do it, do it. And and when I say afford, I don't just mean if you can afford the school supplies and those. T- I mean if you can afford the time, and if you can, if you got to work second shift, you know, move from first shift to second shift, so you could be there during the day. What whatever you can do, if you can do it, I'm telling you, it's so worth it. And your kids will be so much better off for it. And a lot of the people, a lot of the naysayers say, oh, well, what about socialization? It takes a village to raise a kid, doesn't it? You you hear that a lot, right? Well, you know what I say to those people? I say we collectively as a society for the last hundred or so years have been allowing the village to raise our children. And where are we in 2023? We're with a bunch of village fucking idiots. That's what the yeah. village has done. They've given us village idiots. Yeah. Okay? So I say, let's bring it back. And all the responsible parents out there that are able to start teaching your mm-hmm. children, start educating your children. And I want to go over a few things for those who want to educate their kids, but they're worried about finances because both parents work. They're worried about trying to figure out how to make that work. We are basically on one person income. I work part time. I don't make a lot of money. We don't make a ton of money. You know, full transparency. We're not raking in the big bucks and we still make it work. We're able to make it work. And again, it helps when you find a program that isn't super expensive. There's another program that we just um, recently. I just started uh, with uh, it's called Homeschools Connected. Um, and I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And that one is, it's $10 a month. Uh, I believe that price may have gone up, but we got in when it was $10 a month Mm -hmm. and we're locked in there for that. But what, what that was started by a public education teacher who just couldn't take it anymore. And he had kids and said, I'm not bringing them, I'm not putting them in public school, which says a lot. Right. And so he started up his own, uh, homeschooling program. And it's a curriculum where they teach critical thinking. Uh, they, you know, they, they have all the basics: reading, writing, uh, arithmetic, all that kind of stuff. But he go he focuses heavily on uh, civics, government, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, this all is stuff, the propaganda. Not only your kids recogni- learn, but you know. Right. Uh, he has a class on recognizing propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has all types of different courses in there, and so we're dipping into and in doing some of that stuff as well. Um, and again, going back to the, I know I'm kind of jumping around, but going back to the easy peasy, one of the, one of the classes that they have there is called social skills. So that that's where you, the children will learn. They will be put into different situations and they will learn. How do you act in a social environment? What's the proper thing to do? And, and so there are things like that for people that are like, oh, my kid's not going to be able to hang out with other kids or play with other kids their age and this and that. Well, if there's another concern about that, another option that you can do is get together. If there are other families in your neighborhood or that are around in your town or city, set up home education days where, depending on how many people are available, every parent takes a turn bringing the kids over and teaching them. All agree on the lesson plan, whatever they're doing or whether they're doing easy peasy, whatever. They can bring their laptops, tablets, whatever they need. But you can set up kind of what we went through in the history of public education. The town, the people, the parents brought it among themselves to 
figure out how are we going to teach our kids? And sometimes it was just by the parents doing it. So that's another option. Absolutely. If, If you get along, if you know your, you know, your kids, friends, their parents, and you all get along, take turns. So maybe only one day a week, if you can work your schedule that one day a week, and if you got to do it on the weekend, that's okay. But at least you're more in control with your child's education. So that's an option too. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's nothing that we've done, but it's absolutely an option. I, I mean, I have looked around for homeschooling groups and there's nothing around us. There's nothing around there's us. There's nothing. The, the closest is like a 45 minute drive. And it's like, that's not really feasible. And <laughs> even the the newer program we're looking at, they, yeah. they have it set up. So like it goes by your state too. And you can find other families that home educate in your state that are involved in the program. Right. We're the only, we're the one only in ones New in New Hampshire. Hampshire right now. So, so if so. you are in New Hampshire and you want to home educate <laughs> your kids... You want to get 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 on homeschools connected. We can yeah. we can uh, maybe figure something out if yeah. we're close. <laughs> but yeah, that I mean that's the thing. There there's there's options. Uh, there's a lot more options now, and something tells me there's going to be even more options appearing in the future. We're going to put as many helpful resources and links that have helped us mm-hmm. as we can in the show notes. And please feel free to reach out if you have any questions and anything that we can maybe help you out with as far as maybe pointing you in the right direction of, of something or, or whatever. Like I, I'm, I'm more than happy to help out with that kind of stuff. Yeah. If, if anybody has any questions or concerns, but again, as always, you got to do your own research and wherever you live, whatever state you're in, whatever town you're in, the, the rules may be different. You got to mm-hmm. look and see what is required on your local level. But I'm telling you, it is so worth it it's so worth it before you just say okay we're home educating it's also important talk to your kid talk to your children and find out more about their learning style what subjects interest them find out because that will help you find that could help you find a good program for them if I mean I'm not gonna I don't want to assume you know everyone's super close and connected with their kids because they know not everyone is it I mean we are but I know it's different for everyone, but just talk to your kids too and find out what they're looking for, what interests them. Sure. Because I mean, that's really important. You you want them to be interested in it as well. And make sure you're checking in with them while they do it to make sure like, how are you doing? Are you struggling? What works? What doesn't? Because this happened with our oldest son where, oh yeah, everything's good. Everything's good. And then we found out he was lying and trying to cover up like where he was having issues. And so it's really important to have that honesty with each other and let them know, like, it, it, you're not in trouble. <laughs> it's not like the regular schools yeah, where you get in trouble you're not for gonna bad sit grades. A, you're not going to be in detention yeah, or something. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't like, exist re- at home. Remember? Remi- <laughs> okay, so Alex, remember, like, if you got an F, your parents had to sign the paper. And if you didn't get it signed, you would get in trouble. Yeah. And the parents would get a call from the school. Mm-hmm. And it was so, like, if you don't do well, they, it's so they did that bad. In your you're going to be huh? punished. Yeah. And it's like, it sets, and uh, like, our our middle child didn't have that issue. Like if he struggles, he'll say something. He gets frustrated and he tells us. But our older one had to hide it. And I think it's because of that public school mentality yeah, we had to break and him programming. Of that. Yeah. And it took a while to break him of that. So that's just something else to be mindful of. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, expect the growing pains. Yeah. Expect 
the the transitional changes and the and the the pain that's going to come with it because it's not going to be easy. It's not all these socks and lollipops, uh, but, but it's it worth it. It is so worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah. Believe me, it's so worth it. I I I would urge everybody if you're able to if you're able to figure out a way to make it work, make it work because there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Make sacrifices where you got to make sacrifices. Cut expenses where you can cut expenses. Whatever you got to do, make yeah. it work. Because I'm telling you, there, you you only get to your kids are only young once, right? They're only young once, and if you could spend even more time with them, and and you're spending that time teaching them mm-hmm. and teaching them how to think, how the way, how the the world works, teaching them these things so that they can not only just survive in the world, but they can thrive. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell our kids all the time. I don't want you to just survive. I want you to thrive in the yeah. world. I want you to be, to do well. Yeah. I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to know how to think. I want you to know how to navigate the world because the world can be a scary place, but it's also a great place. Yeah. I mean, even our youngest, he's basically in like kindergarten, first grade level, and he's already learned all of his reading and he's learning about the human body right now. And it's like so young, but you know, you're teaching him because you teach it in a way that works for them. But he has an interest. Yeah. And that's what I've learned too. Some, you know, your ki- especially their younger kids, when, when they're first starting, they start when they're ready. Yeah. They're not always ready right away. And with our youngest, it was a struggle just to get him to sit for more than five minutes for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then just recently like within the last few months it's like a switch went off and now he's like can we do lessons can we do lessons and he wants to learn Mm -hmm. he's coming to me now before i even get to go to him i'm still working with our middle child with something and he'll come he's ready to do lessons can i do lessons okay and so i've now got to the point where i doesn't matter what i'm doing i drop it and yep let's go because i i don't want to i don't want to miss the opportunity and and he'll sit now and he's he's engaged and he'll finish a lesson and want to go to the next one he wants to he's now he's like the middle child he wants to move on and do more great it's just it's very it's very rewarding to be a part of that process and when your child looks at you and says thank you so much for what you do for me which completely unsolicited happened the other day and I mean that like brought me to tears because like what like I didn't tell him to say that I know you didn't tell him to say that and and I'm just like wow but I mean that's that's the thing and when you let them go at their pace so that like you said Alex you can do whatever you want to do. So if your child needs more time on something, it's like an IEP. Every child's plan is individualized just for them. And I think that is why home-educated children thrive so much, why the stats show they do better. Um, Because you're literally like tailoring each thing to their needs yep. that works for them. And they're not hindered by having to wait around for all these other kids to figure it out. And or, do or other testing. kids that yeah. have figured it out and they still haven't figured it out and the teacher's moving on and they're yeah. lost because exactly. they don't know what's going on and now they're screwed. Because exactly. they don't know what, you know, the, the, the basics maybe haven't been, the, the, the foundation of basics hasn't been laid well for them. And so now they're going to struggle moving on from that because they were never taught properly the basics. Mm-hmm. That's you see that with a lot of kids too who maybe lose interest in school because they think they're dumb or they think they're they're not as smart as the other kids when that nothing could be further from the truth but that's just what they they think 
because they didn't maybe catch on as quick mm-hmm. or the teacher didn't take enough time with them. There's so many instances of that happening. How many, how many billionaires, millionaires, billionaires out there that didn't finish school? Mm-hmm. But they're obviously smart. Yeah. They obviously know what they're doing. And, and think about school, <laughs> those, these schools now where it's all about the standardized testing. And that's basically what they're training these kids for is to pass tests. And then you hear about stories yeah. about how schools got busted for cheating or for, you know, trying to do things to get kids to pass the test. So they're not even really teaching the kids. Yeah. It's like, here, we're going to, we're going to do this class so you can learn how to pass this test. Yeah. Like what how's kind that, of fun is that? How's Education that learning? <laughs> What are you learning? We'll go outside and okay, let's go look at the pond. Oh, look, there's, you know, tad like frog eggs. They're going to turn into tadpoles and you get to take advantage of the environment around you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things you can do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for us, you you can take days off when you want to take days off. You don't have to just, you know, you could. Heck, our, our kids sometimes will do lessons on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. If they feel like it they and they want to do it, I say, sure. And we don't do a summer Go vacation. Ahead. There's no, yeah, we don't do the we don't do summer like vacation. We don't do the April vacation, all. anything no. like that. They go, they go year round mm-hmm. because, and, and you could do, obviously people can do whatever they want. But for us, I found that we did try the summer vacation thing one, one year. And Not again. And never <laughs> again. Because what happens is... They, lo- they fall out of the routine. They fall out of the habits. They start maybe forgetting things that, because they're not in, in practice. They're not in the, in the practice of, of learning, of reading, of writing. You know, the handwriting gets messy. They forget some basic things that they really probably should know. And so I said, you know what? Not anymore. We're just going to keep doing lessons. We're going to do them year round. In the summer, we're a little more lax. Maybe have like a, a four-day lesson week instead of five days. But... We still, we go year round and they're great. Our children are happy. They're very well adjusted. They're all very polite. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll take breaks. Some days it's <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? Let's give them the day off and let's go do something Absol- fun. Absolutely. You, know? you have that freedom. Yeah. You but we get that. to pick and choose. So it's not around a, a public school planned vacation and that's when you take your vacation it's you can do whatever works for you because you're not on a special schedule right right so yeah there's just there's for me the the pros way too many pros way too yeah and and honestly i can't really think of a con i mean other than if if you would if you look at you're the teacher being a con you have to put in a lot of effort and time if you look at that as a con, then I guess that's a con. I don't look at it as a con, uh-huh. but some people might say, well, you got to do all this extra work and I've got a job and this and that. Okay, but is your kid worth it? Uh-huh. Is your child worth it? Is there is there the rest of their life worth it? I mean, for me, that answer is yes, obviously. Our, our, our kids are worth it. So is it worth it for you and for your child? That's, that's a personal decision. And, you know, obviously it's not an easy one to make for a lot of people, but I, I'm here to say that it's definitely worth it. I would definitely recommend everybody do this. And I'm going to go with what I say all the time. So usually the right thing to do is also the hardest thing to do. And to us, Nine times home, out of edu- ten. Yeah, home education is the right thing to do. And notice we say home education. We don't homeschool. We home educate. And, you know, our kids learn lessons, not their schooling. 
it's we, we call them lessons. Yeah. And everything can be a lesson. Everything so is even a if lesson. we're not doing actual like lessons from the program or that we've set up, it's like just anything in life that we can teach them. That's a lesson. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, again, uh, we'll put as many helpful links as we can in the show notes uh, so that you, you can start doing research for yourself and see what, what kind of decision, if this is something you want to do and you're interested in doing, uh, some things you can do and look at in order to uh, better help guide you. And again, like I said, if you have any questions, you want to reach out to us on either social media. If you want to leave a comment on, on YouTube, uh, please feel free, reach out. And I, and I will definitely get back to you uh, with any helpful information the any way that I can help out. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to point people in the right direction and help out because this is something that I definitely feel is important. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else you want to add before we say goodbye this week? No, just thanks everyone for listening. And if you have questions, you know, reach out and, you know, we'll do the best that we can to put you in the, point you in the right direction, you know, at least with the information we have. But again, we say it all the time. We've been saying it for years. Do your own research. Always do your own research. Mm -hmm. Until next time, I am Alex joined. I have been joined as always by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing wife, the lovely Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker podcast. We love hearing from and interacting with our hearers and watchers. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HomewreckerPod. You can also visit our website, HomewreckerPodcast.com, where you can check out past episodes and pick up some Homewrecker Podcast gear from our online store. Also, if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you're hearing or watching our show. That way you can be notified whenever a new episode drops. We're on all major podcasting platforms, and you can check out the video versions of our show at YouTube and Brideon. You can also find Monique in a few places online as well. I'm on Twitter, at underscore Monique Giselle underscore. If you're interested in a tarot reading, organite, incense, candles, and other cool things, you can go to my website, tarotbymonique.com. Or if you're interested in hypnotherapy, you can go to innerstandingshypnosis.com to schedule a free 20-minute consult. And follow me on Twitter, at MoniquePCHT. And Alex, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at TheAlexArion. And you can check out my website, AlexArionFitness.com. And if that's too much to remember, we get it. That's why we put it all in our show notes. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we appreciate all of your support. We do. Thank you. We love you. Many people are unaware just how much hypnotherapy can help them or think it's only to help lose weight or quit smoking. But there is so much more hypnotherapy can do. It can help with stress, anxiety, insomnia, phobias, performance enhancement, connecting with your spirit guides and higher self. You can even discover past lives and your life between lives. Heal traumas, break habits, find your deepest truth, or just have fun discovering who you really are, all from the comfort of your home. I'm Monique Pliakis. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, and I want to help you. Schedule a free consult by going to www.innerstandingshypnosis.com. That's 
i n n e r s t a n d i n g s h y p n o s i s dot com. Understanding hypnosis. Find your power and ignite your inner light.